soon to own on video and DVD. That's right, it's Diz Flicks and Tidbits, the Disney podcast about Disney movies from the past, present, and coming soon, and all the little extras in between. I'm your one and only host, Cassie, who is sick of hearing about a troll farting glitter, and today is February 6th, 2018, episode 10, your favorite, non-favorite Disney films. So, my giveaway was a bust. No big deal. I'm going to edit the last episode to omit the giveaway entry altogether and maybe just make it a Twitter thing only. Boy, is it tough to get engagement through podcasts, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, so if you are still interested on uh, getting a free Mary Poppins theater poster, just let me know on Twitter. Anyway, podcast news, I have some guests coming to the podcast soon, so you will get some on-time content for a change. Uh, that means the Villains Part 2 will be intermingled in between the new episodes, like an ongoing series. I might actually bring on someone for each part to discuss villains with me, so if you're interested, let me know through all the ways that you can contact me. If you do have any listener questions, don't hesitate to say anything along with any topic suggestions that you think that would sound good on here. I am definitely open to all suggestions. So let's jump into the news for the past week. In an all-Disney franchise news, uh, in honor of the Chinese New Year, Disney has come out with seven new Chinese art-stylized posters of all the upcoming 2019 movies. Those posters are Captain Marvel, Dumbo, Aladdin... Avengers Endgame, Toy Story 4, The Lion King, and Frozen 2. They are gorgeous, and they have very simplistic designs, and sh you should really take a look at them, which I will provide a link. Um, what I mean by simplistic design, not trying to take away from any of the beauty that these posters are, uh, for example, the Frozen 2 poster is simply a big snowflake in the center with Chinese red lanterns floating all around it and some smaller sm <clears throat> and some smaller snowflakes falling in the background. As of yesterday, February 5th, the Walt Disney Company had their quarterly earnings call. Usually that means that the Disney Company likes to announce something. Like the last quarter, we heard about the Cassian series for the Disney Plus streaming service. So everyone was kind of excited for possibly a Star Wars 9 title? Nope. Wah, wah, wah. What did we learn from the earnings call is just some information. Like Captain Marvel will be the first theatrical movie to stream on Disney+. Plus. Disney won't touch sports gambling and how much they lost in licensing fees. So it wasn't that much. I will still provide a link on some of the other things which I will cover later on in the news too. It, it wasn't so much as surprising news, I guess. So in Disney Animation Studio news, D23 announced a rare Walt Disney Studios tour for D23. 
23 members. There are limited dates as of now, but this limited tour is in celebration of the 10th anniversary of the D23 fan club. The tour will be over two hour, two and a half hours long of the Walt Disney Studios along with a visit to the Disney office suites and archives. Wow. The dates available to gold, the dates are available to gold and gold family members. Uh, They are March 18th, April 15th, and May 6th with a special Gold family member event that lasts all day on April 6th. So when I first heard about this about uh, like a couple days ago, there was a ton of tickets left, but as I'm recording this, they are all sold out. So I'm sorry. (laughs) If you're one of those that are going and have a ticket for this once in a lifetime Walt Disney Studios tour and you're listening, I hope you write down everything, blog about it, vlog about it, everything, because I would be highly interested about your tour, even though I know they probably won't let you film, but I would still love to hear about it. So if you do know somebody that is going, please let me know. (laughs) In Disney live action news, we got a confirmed cast list for the sequel to 2014's Maleficent, the live action twist of Disney's animated Sleeping Beauty, Uh, if you like that. I own it, but I think I've only seen it once or twice. Um, Angelina Jolie and Ellie Fanning are, of course, reprising their roles as Maleficent and Aurora, respectively. Michelle Pfeiffer has been added to the casting list for a new role as Queen Ingrid, who is Prince Philip's mother. Pin- Prince Philip will be played by Harris Dickinson, who is known for 2017's Beach Rats as Frankie. Uh, Robert Lindsay as King John. Philip, Prince Philip's father, and let's see, we have Judy Shinconi, who is from the TV series Ice and Heroes Reborn, will be playing Shrike, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, she is one of Maleficent's friends, and then we have Chiwiti Ijo, oh my gosh, I always mispronounce his name. <laughs> He's from 12 Years a Slave, and I won't try to butcher his name even more, uh, he is playing an undisclosed character. There's actually uh, five more actors that have been listed, but all of their um, all of their characters have not been named yet. So I will leave a link below. You can check who else is in there. Uh, so Maleficent Two is slated for 2020 and will continue the adventures between Aurora and Maleficent as they discover new threats as they explore the magical land of the Moors. Not really interested in that one, but if you are interested, please let me know and why you are interested for this kind of sequel. Because I thought it, the Maleficent movie was like a good one or done because it had a twist on everything. Like Maleficent wasn't this just big baddie who had a grudge against not being invited, but it kind of had this cool backstory to it. It was neat, but I don't think it needs a sequel, but that's why I probably don't work for Disney because I don't think of these things. (laughs) In Aladdin news, there has been some hints of what Will Smith's Blue Genie would actually look like. I found an article about a couple days ago about merchandise being sold for the upcoming live action movie with a very pronounced black edge cartoon look to it. They did have Aladdin and Jasmine who kind of look like uh, how they looked in the animated movie, but slightly different. And then they had Genie by himself with on a coffee mug. I can't remember what the saying was, 
he was very buff and he had defined muscles and it was a cartoon version of his live action self and so people were talking about it but when I went to go look for the merchandise myself uh, because the the article I looked at had no source links at all I couldn't find any of this merchandise anywhere and I looked up several different keywords that maybe could cross into the Aladdin merchandise that hasn't even dropped yet, but I kept getting Broadway Aladdin stuff, so I don't know if it was actually real, like if it was uh, fan art or something, um, but people keep like mentioning it, but they don't drop a link to where you can get this stuff. So if you have any information on it, I would like a link to look at this merchandise again because I can't seem to find it anymore. So an artist called House of Matt on Instagram, it's one big word, House of Matt, M-A-T. He did his own version of how he thinks Will Smith would look like as a CGI blue genie. And wow, I would definitely be behind this look. He looks very mystical. Like, he definitely took the look of Will Smith and, like, photoshopped it. Um, he, he looks like a CGI blue genie, definitely. And he has no pupils. His eyes are just white. And it, it looks pretty cool, like, creepy, but you know he's a good guy type of thing. It, it's actually pretty neat. I will leave a link to his Instagram so you can decide for yourselves. I know this is just like fangirling right now for this this artwork, but I, I thought this was an interesting article because we haven't seen anything yet and we probably won't get anything until like a month before this drops because I know they want to hide what Will Smith looks like as the genie because they don't want to lose anything. <laughs> So, moving on to Marvel news. During the Super Bowl, we got two Marvel trailers towards the beginning of the game. The highlight out of all of them was the Avengers Endgame trailer that gave us new split-second scenes of what is about to happen with Cap, I think it's Cap talking, speaking over the scenes that some people move on, but they don't. It's, it's really interesting. You should go look it out if you did miss it. Uh, I don't know how you would miss it because as soon as it aired. It was all over YouTube and all over Twitter and I'm sure Reddit and, and Discord and everything, but I, I only stay on those two social medias because I'm lame. We also got a Captain Marvel trailer, which was kind of interesting because it she had like flashbacks of one of her friends. She says something like higher, further, faster, and then they kept repeating that in the background to some of her superhero scenes, and it kind of sounded like Daft Punk there for a second. So in other news for Marvel, with Disney and 21st Century Fox coming together, we were all kind of worried about what would happen to future rated R Marvel movies like Deadpool now under the squeaky clean Disney title. I've talked about this before, how the PG-13 Deadpool would be the future of the post-Fox Marvel titles, and yet back in episode 8 of Disflix and Tidbits, I mentioned that there's going to be a rated R Black Widow movie coming soon, and it just kind of confused everything that we were hearing. So what is it going to be, PG-13 or rated R? Well, according to Variety, um, they spoke with Bob Iger, and he confirmed that rated R Marvel movies will be part of Disney's future, but, and there's always a but, they will not be released under the Marvel or Disney banner. They will be released some, under something else so people aren't confused. <laughs> 
So in Star Wars news, not a nothing. We didn't even get a whiff of a title for Episode Nine, and we're still playing that waiting game. So moving on to Pixar. After the most boring Super Bowl, we got a new Toy Story 4 trailer, which highlighted the carnival location and gave Bo Peep a voice again. And that Buzz Lightyear was going to be put as a prize for a carnival game with the addition of Ducky and Bunny. Yeah. By the way, do you know Ducky and Bunny have their own Twitter account now? So that's a thing. I just have way more questions about this movie And I'm kind of sort of throwing in my towel until this movie comes out now because I've said a lot of things about this movie on Twitter. Um, If you follow me on that, you, you know my feelings for this. If you want me to express more about my feelings on Toy Story 4, let me know. I will go off on a rant. It will be a topic discussion. I don't care. We have the first... Pixar Sparks Sparks Shorts. Sorry, that is a tongue twister. It was released to the public on February 4th, and it was called Pearl, which runs a little bit over eight minutes. Uh, Remember back in episode seven of Disflix, back in January, I mentioned that Pixar was going to grant their employees the chance to make little Pixar shorts. This was open to anyone in the company, not just the writers and animators. I also talked about how the first couple shorts will be shown at El Capitan Theater first before going to YouTube, and they have a separate YouTube channel for this called Disney Pixar. And there was also two other videos that were published at the same time as Spark Shorts as like an addition to this Pearl short. Um, One is about behind the scenes and another is a highlight on who made the actual short. And this short, let's talk about this short. (laughs) Uh, Wow. So it is directed by Kristen Lester and produced by Jillian Libert Duncan. Libert? Libert Duncan. It's about a ball of yarn, a pink ball of yarn, uh, who's joining a company called Bro Capital, but they call it B-R-O Capital. And just the sound of it, it is exactly what it entails. It is an all-men's employed company who hired the only girl, I mean, yarn. Yeah, there's definitely some underlining tones here and metaphors that... that make you think a little bit on it. Pearl feels alone, obviously, and she's mocked by most of the men in the company until she tries to be like all the other employees by literally crocheting herself into a black suit and tie. <laughs> that is until another employee is hired who's also a ball of yarn. And yeah, and so y- you can see where it's going. I'll let you finish it by yourselves. I probably gave way too much, and I'm sorry about that. There is a little swear word in the middle of it, so be aware of that going in. I know a lot of people aren't, they they don't care about swear words, but I just thought I would give you a heads up um, in case, I don't know, if there's little kids around that you don't want to hear something, I don't know. Having a topic about exclusion and inclusion in this little short like this is even just wow, like in just eight minutes, they they touched on both of those topics. And there was even some nods to like toxic mas- masculinity type workspace, sort of. <laughs> we should definitely be paid attention to these shorts in the future. Um, so that's it for the news for the week. If you think I forgot something important or want me to talk more about a news article or want to add your own comment on some of the news articles that I mentioned, please let me know. You can email me at disflixandtidbits at gmail.com or you can DM me at disflixtidbit. 
So let's move on to the topic. So I sent out a tweet yesterday of what topic I should do for this week, and I sent out a poll like I usually do, and out of 17 votes, 82% of you wanted me to talk about underrated Disney movies. Interesting. The people ask and you shall get your underrated Disney movies. <laughs> Under the Walt Disney brand, there is a huge library of Disney animated films. Some of them are downright great and loved by all, some not so great that the fans just up and forgot or never knew about, and then there are even some that were despised by critics but adored by the public. Whatever it may be, the circumstances of the film in question, there will always be a following that appreciates the film more than when it first came out. This topic is very subjective, so my list of the most underrated Disney films will definitely be different than yours, so fair warning. I kind of did some of my favorite underrated movies in episode 3 when I told you about my favorite Disney movies of all time. Three of them are actually very underrated, in fact. I'm talking about Emperor's New Groove, Brother Bear, and Meet the Robinsons. So I'm going to take those out of this list, which will actually make this list a little harder. So here we go. My new top five underrated Disney movies. So starting with five, I have The Fox and the Hound. <laughs> Bring on the waterworks, everyone. Uh, so I was introduced to the film at the age of six, and at the time I thought it was a new film because unbeknownst to me, it was made in 1981. So for those keeping count, that's a decade before I even watched this film. <laughs> My mom was buying me VHSs as soon as they were re-released, so that's why I kept thinking some things were new when they weren't. <laughs> Uh, I love this film because I loved animals, and yes, I do know about the ending of the film. I mean, it does have like this 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 sort of happy ending, but still the the towards the end is kind of sad, so I understand why people are like, "No, it's so sad. I just remember the beginning parts where Todd and Copper became friends, and it was my favorite thing in the world, and my favorite character was Big Mama. She is probably the reason why I love owls and love to watch them and watch YouTube videos on them being silly and stuff. It definitely is an underrated film and usually doesn't make many people's lists due to the sad and depressing tones towards the end of the film. It just, it kind of feels like a more mature version of Bambi if you think about it. It just, like, there's a rivalry in, in between <laughs> uh, of the film. It's like if if uh, Thumper decided to hate Bambi. <laughs> I haven't seen it in many years. Whenever I think about this film, it always does bring me joy, and I would love to watch it again. Uh, I, I need to buy it again. I'm kind of hoping that someone will join me on Once I Watched a Disney to make me watch this film again, so I'm going to hold off for a little bit. <laughs> There's... There's my plug. I'm sorry. Uh, so number four is Pocahontas. Uh, it's a very controversial film that really disappointed me when I first learned the truth about it, which, yeah, it took me a while to understand what really happened. <laughs> so I was like seven or eight when it came out. 
And I was like in the Disney zone at this point. I love Disney. I was always replaying Aladdin or The Lion King or Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast. I just kept watching those over and over and over again. And then came Pocahontas. Like any Disney freak, I knew about this film coming out way before anyone else. Um, I finally got the Disney Channel at the time and they were pushing this film hard. I remember they just came out with so much merchandise before it even came out. And they were like turning everything into this movie. Like, remember my favorite candy at the time were these sweet tart candies that were shaped like the characters of Pocahontas. Uh, I was really drawn to Miko for my favorite character before the film came out. Before even Pocahontas. I know she's like the princess of the movie, but I was like, oh, Miko's a cute little raccoon, but raccoons are just really dirty creatures and you should stay away from them (laughs) and then I watched it and was really in love with it yeah I was in love with the songs and brightly colored watercolor type backdrops of the movie and I had no idea what the story was about because I was a Disney-fied kid on sugar that just loved the music and the colors and that's all I paid attention to You got to remember when this came out, this is before the internet was available to everyone. So I couldn't just like jump online to to see what Pocahontas was really about. All I knew is that Disney said it was based off of a real person. I don't think even in school we learned about her until I want to say fifth grade. So like a year later I found out about her. Before I knew that she was a real person, I remember, like, after I watched the movie, I even had a, a Pocahontas-themed birthday party, which came out before the film, too, because that's how gung-ho Disney was. And I got the Pocahontas cassette tape for my birthday and kept replaying the songs on repeat, although I did hate Radcliffe's song and the Savages song. I would always skip over that and just play the first two songs over and over and over again. Um... So despite all the flaws and inaccuracies of the movie, I loved it for the songs and the artwork, and I still love it to this day for the songs and the artwork. I still think it's a beautiful piece of work. I think maybe it could have done better if it wasn't named Pocahontas or said it was based off of Pocahontas. Like, they could have named her something else. It could have been a good movie but since they based it off of a 14 year old girl at least she was 14 when they first knew about her that it just didn't go over well (laughs) so those are my two cents on it anyway um it it goes deeper than that but i'm not going to get into it so number three so number three is the hunchback of notre dame here is a movie that not many people talk about at all So every time I talk to anyone about this movie, they either A, never seen it, B, didn't like the subject matter, or C, just forgotten about it because it was towards the tail end of the Renaissance era of Disney animated films. Or you can add a D, it's not a princess film. (laughs) Yeah, Hunchback was a risky move for Disney due to the subject matter of the original, The original work had dark tones, it had satire, it talked about religion, it talked about sex, it talked about everything that shouldn't be in a Disney movie, and yeah, they kind of Disney-fied it by by adding a burping gargoyle, (laughs) but there was some still dark and sultry tones 
in there. I mean, Frollo and Esmeralda. I mean, that whole song about Frollo. <laughs> Uh, how he, like, lusted after her. I mean, it's kind of creepy when you think about it as an adult, um, how strong of that presence is. So Frollo is based off a uh, religious man. I can't remember his title, but they turned him into a judge to not have a controversy over religion, which is smart on them, but, oh my god. I just remember that I did not know what was going on again. I, I was still young at the time. I just remember hating Frollo so much. Like, I despised him, and I still think he's, like, my most hated Disney villain. And I know Disney villains are, like, starting to make a comeback, and they're, like, popular because they're cool evil, but they're, like, fantasy evil. Like, Maleficent is fantasy evil. Frollo is just downright bad, and you just want to hate this person. So, Frollo is bad in in my, in my book. I I hate him. I despise him as a villain. Uh, It just, like, he's a good villain for this show, but still, like, this may be foreshadowing for my villain series, but sorry. Um... (laughs) So what drawn me to what drew me to this this movie is the music. This by far has one of the best soundtracks from the Renaissance era and I'm even talking over Hercules. <laughs> it it's just gorgeous and like even the the voice actor of of Quasi is so great in that opening song out there. Forgive me for not remembering his name off the top of my head, but that is such a powerful song. And then it just keeps getting better and better and better. Like, my favorite uh, my favorite song is definitely Esmeralda's solo, God Help the Outcast. Like, it has the artwork of Inside the Cathedral. It has the stained glass of the cathedral. And it's, like, shining in and mimicking itself on the floor in shadow form. And then while she's, like, walking... As she's like singing, walking through this church, and you see like the candles that I think are like CG animated, but she's like walking through it so seamless. It's by far one of my favorite animated musical scenes out of any Disney movie, and it still sticks in my head. And I haven't seen this since I was 12. That's how powerful this movie is, and how powerful that scene is. Now, I know it's a very kind of religious song, but it like, the range of the singer, because it's not Demi Moore. I mean, yeah, it's not Demi Moore. The range of the singer and then, like, the tone of the location and the circumstance and everything around that is just so beautiful. And that's why it's number three. (laughs) Uh, So, number two, we have a Goofy movie. Now, let me tell you, I was obsessed with this movie as a little kid. I never knew it was released theatrically, which bums me out. But I was raised off of Disney and grew up watching the Goofy shorts, so I was ecstatic when I found out about this. And, like, I even remember before this came out I how, like, the Fab Five never got the attention that they did they deserved. I mean, we had like Mickey and the Beanstalk and those shorts where all three of them are together and everything, but they never really had like a movie dedicated to themselves. And that's why I kind of was drawn to a Goofy movie when it came out. At the time, I barely got Disney Channel 
And so I didn't know about Goof Troop, had no idea that it was a continuation of that series, but I was all for this movie. And I, I bet I can still recite every single word of this movie, even after watching it for, God, it's been a decade now. What is wrong with me? I still love it. I just don't rewatch a lot of movies nowadays. I mean, there's some that I do, like, I will continue to watch Brother Bear. I have it still on DVD, and when I have a tough time sleeping, I'll, I'll pop that in. But, yeah, I need to watch this movie again. <laughs> Anybody want to come on and do as I, once I watch a Disney and watch Goofy movie with me? <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep plugging that series, but please make me watch this movie again. Another thing is, like, it boggles me about Max. Like, so they brought in a goof troop, made Goofy a single dad to him, and then he grew up until a teenager right before he's graduating and make a Goofy movie, and yet when you go to the parks, you always see Kid Max. Like, he never grew up in the parks, and then we don't really see much of him after Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. Like, he's dating a a different chick from Roxanne. Okay, so I just want to know what happened to Max. Please bring back Max. I want to know. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so let's go on to one before I start another rant. So number one is Tangled. <laughs> Can you believe this isn't in my top 10 Disney movies? <laughs> yeah, I should feel ashamed, but hey, it's the top movie in my underrated category, so that counts, right? Uh, it seems kind of silly that it it kind of seems silly that this film is considered underrated, uh, especially like now that it's become like a cult classic. If you really think about it, because at the time it didn't really get the reception that it that it wanted. I mean, it right now it, it's becoming so popular now that it got a Tangled series like several years later after it came out. I mean, it came out in 2010, right? For me, when it came out in 2010, that was during a tough time in my life when I didn't really care about Disney at all for a short period of time. I know, I know it's bad, but hey, we all have our, like, falls in life, so things happen. Um, but I did kind of keep track of it before it started turning into CGI because before it was like several years before they started like talking about it on the Disney channel and they said it was going to be animated and then home on the range killed everything. <laughs> I blame that thing. And then it was, it was actually going to be Rapunzel, but then they changed it. And then I just like, I didn't care about it anymore at that point. And honestly, I didn't watch Tangled until right before I watched Frozen. And I watched Frozen right when it came to DVD. So that's where I am <laughs> with Tangled. It took me a long time to get into it. And it even took three watchings to actually fall in love with this movie. I don't know why it took that long, but I love it now. <laughs> it, it was... The typical princess movie, very unheard of for me to like because, as you know, my top Disney movie is Aladdin and it's not really a princess movie. Yes, we get Princess Jasmine, but it's all about Aladdin. And there's Brother Bear. Like, I don't really like much of the princess movies. So 
it was like this movie had everything against me to like it but I did I did end up liking it I think with the change of making it tangled instead of Rapunzel it it turned away from a typical princess movie because well she didn't know she was a princess and I know like Cinderella I'm just canceling myself out I'm I I need to stop talking like this so the things that I liked about it is like it has such a great story you fall in love with the story and then you fall in love with the characters because they're growing with the story and they're changing like it all happens one day so it's definitely a princess movie where like they fall in love but at least they don't like get married after this it was the story that drew me into it. It's it's different. It isn't typical. She wasn't stuck in the tower the whole t- time like in the original story. Fall from the tower and and Flynn didn't get his eyes poked out and um it, it's different from the story which I like and it turned it into a Disney thing about a lost princess. I mean I'm just rambling on, and I know I'm not making sense, but these are the the little things that I picked up on um, that makes me like it more. And with an added bonus, like, the songs were so great. And my personal favorite is I Have a Dream. By far my favorite, because it, it's it's not a Rapunzel song. It's like an everyone song. And we we get to learn more and more about all these characters, even though, like, they're minuscule characters they do show up later and you get a little sense of everyone in that in that certain scene and so that that's why I like that song (laughs) um I'm I'm really glad that it continued on to a series so I have something to binge watch at some point and I haven't gotten to the second season yet so bad on me for that (laughs) I should stop rambling. I'm not making any sense. It's getting kind of late. So I'm going to wrap this up. So there you have it. Those are my top five underrated Disney animated films. It is a quick one this week. It is very short. And I do not apologize for that because I have been quite busy with a lot of things. And I was just so tired (laughs) that I didn't have anything prepared this week and that's why I'm kind of running late on this one. I apologize that it doesn't come out on time again this week, but uh, the next coming weeks I ha- I am prepared for several weeks ahead of time. It was just this one that I, I was stuck on. Um, things will run a little bit smoother and like the next three weeks, not saying that I will drop off at the la- the next three weeks. It's just, it, they'll be a lot smoother. Be on time. Yeah. <laughs> so please let me know what your favorite underrated Disney films are. It doesn't have to be these top fives. It doesn't have to be your top fives. Uh, just like your favorite or your top three that 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 would just be very interesting to hear about and I might talk about it on the podcast too or uh, make a mention of it but I'm just really interested what other people think are their favorite underrated films because it's a much talked about discussion on all social media because we all kind of fight over what is the best film and most of those fights are over underrated films (laughs) and I just love that that kind of fight because it's not really personal (laughs) 
half the time it's not really like heated or angry it's just like no this is the best disney movie it just has a lot of heart to these fights so that's why i like hearing about it um so please let me know what your favorite underrated disney movie is please i would just love to know um if you do have like um any hate against mine let me know i would love to hear yours or why you don't like them (laughs) so you know what time it is it is disney trivia time it's a time where you get to be a part of the podcast and answer my riddles three no just one trivia question per episode where you can get a shout out if you have the answer Last week, I asked in Snow White and the Seven Doors, what did the evil queen use in her potion to make her old? And it was part of the verses, and I got two answers, one right, one wrong, but the second one could actually be right if you think about it. The answer is mummy dust, and I know that was quite hard. I apologize. Um, If you want them easier, just uh, please let me know at Tidbit on on Twitter. Uh, So... The, the two people that answered, we have ben, at Benson Kalur on Twitter, aka Benson, at, and stuff like that. He gave me the right answer of Mummy Dust. And then I got at Maine Citizens Josh answered with Beverly. <laughs> uh, I've never had Beverly. I just know how bad it tastes from everybody wincing every time they drink it. If you don't know, Beverly is an Italian soda that you can get at Club Cool in Epcot Center. Uh, (laughs) uh, Just look up Beverly on YouTube. You will understand why he said this. I do commend this answer. It is the most creative answer I've gotten on this podcast. So thank you, Josh. That was fun. So this week's question is, what is the lowest rated Disney animated film on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm pretty sure 80% of you have never even heard of this movie. (laughs) That's your hint. (laughs) So if you know the answer to the trivia question or have a question, correction, or comment, or if you want to be a guest on the Once I Watched a Disney series that I kept plugging in this episode, you can contact me through Twitter at DisflixTidbit. There is no S on the end of that. Or email me at disflixandtidbits at gmail.com. Disflix and Tidbits comes out weekly every Wednesday morning with a few bonus episodes of a movie review in between, which may or may not come. I'm sorry about the Mary Poppins Returns one. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and basically any podcast app that you use. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider leaving me a review on iTunes. Any review will do just so I know that you are listening and like it. You can also help by retweeting the most recent episode on Twitter or DMing me feedback at Disflicks Tidbit. Or finally joining the new Facebook group, Disflicks and Talk. All you have to do is answer a few standard questions just so I know you aren't working for Skynet. And so you know, don't forget it all started with a mouse.